Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Mockler-Young, and I'm so glad you are joining the conversation. Welcome back to Becoming Church. I am here today with an actual pastor friend of mine. I mean, we've done conferences together. We do ministry in the same city. So I am so excited to have you here with PD, Pastor Derwin Gray of Transformation Church. How are you? Well, I'm doing good, Pastor. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to to be with you. And uh, I've been watching from afar. You're crushing it. Appreciate what you do in the city and, and and how you're advancing the gospel through Mosaic Church and through this awesome podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun that we get to do now, technically not the same city. Do you tell people you're in Charlotte? You say you're just so south of Charlotte. What we say is the greater Charlotte area. Okay. Because Indian Land, South Carolina is basically a bedroom community of Ballantyne. But around India land is Marvin, Waxhaw, but then you got Fort Mill. Um, I mean, it's so it's an it's an expansive area. If you look at the map of where everybody comes from, it's a part of our church. I mean, it is the greater Charlotte area. So that's kind of what we say. But our physical location right now in our broadcast campus is uh, in India land. So we're hoping to have some more campuses soon. That's very exciting. That's very exciting. And I have multiple friends that are part of transformation. And so, you know, I get to connect to you, but also to them to keep up with what you guys are going, doing and have going on. And you guys are really doing a great job down there. Thank you. And you guys as well. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So Pastor Derwin, you are a pastor, you're an author, you're a teacher, you're a leader, you're a father, you're a dad right now in this season be that summer or whatever season, you know, looks like for you, what's your favorite role to lead in right now? Uh, So my favorite role to lead in is self-leadership. Okay. A beloved son of God. Um, All of those other titles that you describe, Lord forbid, they can all be taken away Mm -hmm. from me. Mm -hmm. But the one that can never be taken away, that's eternally tattooed upon my being is that in Christ, through his redemptive work, I am a beloved child of God, and God will never change his perspective of me because he sees me as though he sees Christ. And so self-leadership is reminding me to think less of myself Mm. and more of him. Mm -hmm. And the more I think of him and what he's done, the more I actually become my true self so that I can be an effective husband, an effective father, an effective pastor, an effective author. But if I get those mixed up, it leads into idolatry. And I'm trying to find status in positions, possessions, and power. And those are just illusions that lead to destruction. That is a really fantastic perspective. And I can only imagine our listeners going like, Hey, that sounds so good, but it's not so easy. (laughs) So how, how do you root yourself in the confidence of, of that answer of saying like, this is who I am 
first before all those things? Because there is a lot, a lot of noise, right? There's a lot that could disrupt. Yes. Yeah. So, so the first thing that I would say is this by way of illustration is something I've practiced for years is way back in the ancient days when the dinosaurs roamed the land, there used to be these things called radios and radios have (laughs) FM and Uh AM. Uh And so spiritually speaking, AM stands for against me, FM stands for me. So the way I root myself is by remembering that the dark powers and also my flesh, meaning my desires contrary to Christ, are against me. Derwin, you're not enough. Derwin, people are going to leave you. Derwin, you got to try harder. Derwin, you got to do this. Derwin, what about your past? So that's against me. But Romans 8, 31 says that if God is for us, who can be against us, right? And so in Christ, I'm loved, I'm chosen, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed, I'm reconciled, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, I'm God's dwelling place, I'm his beloved son. And so I have to, day by day, moment by moment, turn the station to FM, because as we say at Transformation Church is this. The scene of the crime is your mind. And Paul says, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so the way we do it practically is it doesn't start with an action. It begins with a thought. Mm-hmm. And typically what we do is we start with actions to think that's going to change our thought life. But it actually starts with winning the war in our mind through the victory of Christ. And so that's what keeps me rooted when I get a a nasty email or I'm frustrated or, you know, my children are going through some things is I have to constantly remind myself of who I am in Christ. And of course it's a struggle. And if I could pause here. Sure. It is a tremendous struggle because here's why. The dark powers seek to destroy and devour and kill. Mm. And the only thing they can do is get us to believe a lie. Yeah. Because the scene of the crime is your mind. Remember way back in the primordial story of Adam and Eve, what did the serpent do? He didn't force them to do anything. He just said, did God say. Yeah. And so when we listen to more AM station versus FM station, that's when we get into trouble. Yeah. Well, and I always have to remind myself too, and I've used this with every girl that I've ever mentored through the years, is that to recognize the voice of the enemy, he's going to come in and try it to sound as close to God as he possibly can. Like we are going to recognize a voice that comes in saying something so blatantly, obviously wrong, but he tries to sneak in and he's like a ventriloquist, right? He's like the closer that I can sound to what's actually Mm -hmm. true. He's going to run right up against what's true to try to trick us and throw us off course. And, and, and you are a hundred percent right. If, if we go back to Matthew four, After Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit sends him into the wilderness. And the three ways that Satan tempts him, Satan quotes scripture. He just misquotes them. And Jesus reminds him, as it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that comes out of God's mouth. And so a lot of times, people who are in vocational, professional ministry, 
will often read the Bible for sermons, leadership lessons, but forget spiritual formation. Yeah. One of the one of the one of the things that I'm very firm with here with our staff at Transformation Church is what's most important about you is who you are in Christ. And we want to cultivate your in Christness. Mm. Then that leads to you doing your ministry role. So we don't want to neglect being conformed to the image of Christ through the Holy Spirit's power. Yeah. Well, and it's it can be just another way, honestly, that the enemy for people in ministry specifically, to, to turn us away from God, right, is when we get burnt out on our jobs or God becomes nothing but our jobs and our careers. And like you said, if we're only going to scripture to prep or, you know, to write something that's content-based, then yeah, we're going to find ourselves burnt out on the religion of it all, yeah. totally having overlooked the relationship. Yeah, I have a word for, for that. It's called spiritual prostitution. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you're not going for God for God. Yeah. You're, you're, you're saying, what can I get out of you mm-hmm. so that I can get something out of ministry? Mm. Um, ministry cannot heal you. Ministry cannot fix you. Ministry cannot save you. Yeah. And a lot of times people get into ministry because to minister to other people, we think we're going to fix the cracks and crevices in our own souls. Only Jesus can do that. Yeah. And you have, we had an episode actually with Kobe Campbell. I believe she's part of Transformation. Yes. And um, her, her and Kyle were a part of Transformation Church for a few years. They're awesome. She's written an incredible book. He's an incredible young man. Um, God has called them to partner at another church. And we're okay. excited about that. But yeah, she's written a just an incredible book and, and he's awesome. Yeah, we we had a whole conversation. We'll link that up in the show notes, but talking all about, you know, the war of the mind and how to change our thoughts and think about God first and put God first and all that. So yeah, I mean, right out of this conversation, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think in, and you tell me what you think, pastor, but I, I think so often we fill ourselves with so much ministry that we don't fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit's power. Yeah. And that's very dangerous because the more experience you have, the better you can be at the mechanics of ministry. And so it's very dangerous to handle sacred things without a sacred mindset of those things. Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, I need to know I need to know God more and I need to know how I'm seeing the Holy Spirit move in my life. That's a key for me that I'm starting to burn out or putting my eyes in the wrong place mm-hmm. is I, I feel like my whole life, but increasingly more as I've gotten more and more aware of the Holy Spirit's presence, I tend to see God in like weird, unexpected places. So when I'm not having those experiences and I'm only really thinking about God when I'm doing my work or doing things, Mm. that's a key for me of going, I'm not tuned in to what the Holy Spirit is actually doing. Because if I was, I would watch a, you know, princess movie with my kids and be like, I see Jesus in that, but I have to be looking for it. I have to be aware of Holy Spirit's presence. And when I'm not, that's a sign for me of like, Hey, you got too many other things fogging up your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's, and what's beautiful is from the Garden of Eden to the nation of Israel, God says, build me a tabernacle. I want to be with you. 
build me a temple. I want to be, be with you. In the incarnation of Jesus, God is with us, Emmanuel. Yeah. Then when he raises from the dead, ascends on high, he sends the Holy Spirit. So God is not only with us, but God is inhabiting us. We have a, I want to be with you kind of God. We have a God who who wants to be present with us. And where there's God's presence, there's God's power, there's God's provision. And so in becoming the church, um, I think we focus too much on doing and not enough on receiving and being. Yeah. And the expectation piece, right? There has to be a spiritual expectation of knowing that God is there and God does want to do something and God is actually moving. So if we can take the doing, the doing has to be part of it. But yeah, putting our focus on what is God actually <laughs> going to do if we're just here and we just show up and we're just present, what is the expectation? Like, all right, God, we're creating, we're setting the scene, right? And we're here and we're open to receive but it's not on us. It's on you and waiting for yeah. Holy Spirit and God to come in and do what only he can do. Yeah. And that is something that you have to experience. I remember years and years ago, my wife and I were on vacation and she was snorkeling and uh, she asked me if I wanted to snorkel. She's like, it's incredible. It's beautiful under there. And I'm like, well, honey, no, I'm not going to uh, snorkel because there are big sharks in the water and the sharks could eat me. <laughs> and I would be just like a juicy ribeye, uh, <laughs> dark chocolatey steak for a shark. So I ain't going to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, I finally did it. And I snorkeled and I seen an incredible world underneath the water that was breathtaking. It was beautiful. It was everything she said and more. But I had to get off the beach and get in the water to do it. Yeah. Well, what you're describing of experiencing God and his presence and his power, we have to, so to speak, get off of the beach, dive in the water, knowing he's going to give us the spiritual oxygen to breathe and to see his glory. But you're not going to see his glory stand on the beach. You got to jump mm, in. That's a word. What do you think it is that's keeping people from getting off the beach? Uh, so I think, number one, what's keeping us from getting off the beach is past trauma we haven't dealt with. That's number one. That's, that's num number one. Okay. When we come to Jesus, he not only forgives us, wipes our slate clean, we are declared righteous. All those things are true in Christ. But our flesh remembers those lies and wants to remind us of those lies when things get tough. And so yeah. if we don't gospel our trauma our trauma will beat us up. But the thing about trauma, it's not an individual sport. It'll come out on other people. So the way I've heard it said is this way, I will bleed on people who didn't cut me if I don't allow God to heal my trauma. And what I mean by, by that mm -hmm. is taking my pain to the Lord. So that could be through normal discipleship, through prayer, through counseling, through therapy, through mentoring, through Sunday preaching, but I'm always putting before the Lord, here are my hurts, here are my wounds, replace them with your truth and your healing. So that's number number one. And then I think number two is the things of the world choke us off. So yeah. when I was first in ministry, there was no words like, what's your brand? Um, <laughs> what's your, what's your platform? Yeah. Make sure you post more on Instagram so your 
algorithm uh-huh. and so we live in a world that is screaming look at me look at me let me prove myself let me strive and we can put religious garb all over it but still at the end of the day we are trying to self-authenticate ourselves mm-hmm. and jesus says if me knowing your name is not enough, the whole world shouting your name will never be enough. Yeah. So I think that's number two. I think number three is there's a level of excellence and preparedness that I think sometimes we in the church don't exhibit. And I think we should be the most excellent, the most prepared, because our God is awesome and he deserves our best. And so our churches should be more organized than Chick-fil-A. They should be more creative than Broadway. Uh, We should be the most anointed speakers and our musicians and all these things uh, because of whose glory we live for, right? And Mm -hmm. so um, excellence, mediocrity should not be a part of the church. Organizationally, uh, uh, spiritual formation-wise, Uh, because this is for the glory of God. Now, it's something that we have to grow into, thus the preparedness. Yeah. I think it's also attention, right? I mean, like we talked about earlier, we want to be excellent and we want to be prepared without making it showy and performative. And it's that tension of like, do it well, but do it in God's strength. Do it in a way that's going to reach people, but also constantly points them back to Jesus. Amen. Amen. And and so what I would say, and I forget, I probably heard this from Craig Rochelle or somebody smart like that, <laughs> is uh, you uh, you manage the tension. Yeah. Tension isn't something to be done away with. It's something to be managed. Right. Right. But so to your first point about trauma, I think especially us as ministry leaders, looking back at, I mean, even just the last couple of years, right? Church has changed. Ministry has changed pastoring has changed all of this. We've had to adjust in a million little different ways. And I remember having a conversation with a ministry leader once. I don't know if I was helping her prep for like an upcoming sermon or message or something. And I was like, hold on, we have to like really take 47 steps back here because especially as teachers and leaders, we have to take our trauma to the Lord before we present it in front of other people. And I think what I basically told her was you have a, you are bleeding out and you're trying to just slap a bandaid on it and then go up there and process your trauma in front of the congregation. And this is a no, no, like you have got to do some heal actual healing, like not only stop bleeding out, not only get a bandaid, like you have to heal before you are even close to ready to talk about this topic heal before you can start to reveal yeah oh that's there we go yes yes and we gotta lead in that right and i yes and and i totally got that from what you were saying yeah it's like before you reveal take time to heal because you don't want to just bleed all over people right there's that's not being authentic that's that's actually being unwise I was just going to say, it's not wise leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're so good with the phrases, Pastor Derwin, the, the phrase, the, the catchphrases and like the, 
I feel like you can say, it takes me 300 words to say something. And you're like, hold on, I got six for you. Let me put them together. Well, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> there, there's, there's a whole story to that. So I grew up as a compulsive stutterer. Yeah. And so when I came to the Lord, um, he challenged me with speaking okay. because I was like, God, why would you want me to do this? Because I can't. And I just sensed him say, if I can raise my son from the dead, I can raise your tongue to talk. Okay. But you have to go do it to see the miracle. Faith is an action. Yeah. And so as God has uh, displayed his glory through my capacity to communicate, I don't want to waste words. And he has gifted me to do what we say in the hood, cut to the quick. <laughs> like, if it can be said in five words, say it in five not 50. Yeah. Uh, and plus, less is always more. What I tell young preachers is this, is I'll tell her or him this, less is more. The less experience you have, the shorter your sermon needs to be. Mm -hmm. But it's typically the opposite. Because they think quoting 20 scriptures is a sermon. No, you just read 20 scriptures. <laughs> right. you know? But less is more. <laughs> then you can give your best because you gave less. There you go. There you go. Give your, I'm just going to, all these one-liners, <laughs> just to start writing them all down. I love it. <laughs> That's why you're so good on Twitter. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I almost left Twitter <laughs> a few weeks ago. Oh yeah. Um, Twitter, like people, I'm like, man, people just look to argue and I don't have time for, for this. But then my staff encouraged me and then I got some other encouragement that, Twitter was making an impact in people's lives. So I was like, okay, I'll stay on. Yeah, that really has been one of the things that's rooted me to social media where it can be so toxic so so much of the time, but then I'll get a comment or a message from somebody who said, you know, God spoke to me through this TikTok. And listen, we're both with the TikToks. You dance, I do other little, <laughs> I do <laughs> lip syncing videos, you do dances. We're just out here reaching people <laughs> through TikTok for to. the Lord. <laughs> You know, I, um, silliness, I I think Jesus laughed a lot more than we think. Me and, too. And, um, you know, humor humor has a way of bypassing the head and going straight to the heart. And before Absolutely. you know it, people are like, oh, my gosh, that was serious. Yeah. I was laughing. Now I'm crying. Yeah. And so I I think Jesus did a lot more of that. Humor is a pathway to conversation every single time, mm -hmm. like every single time. Being a jerk is not. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. So we don't need, like we don't, you know, to bear witness for Christ, being mean is not a part of the fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. I, I just have not heard very many testimonies of pe people going, man, these Christians used to picket my sin and tell me I was going to hell. <laughs> Wow. I mean, they were so irrational, so mean. They were so unlike Jesus that says, and Jesus was a friend to <laughs> sinners. They were not my friend. Ooh, man, I came. It was great. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Oh, my gosh. All right. So what is your favorite thing to teach on right now? Oh, man. Well, so um, every one of my sermons is about Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's a good, that's a good starting place. Every, <laughs> every one of them is, is about him, but 
But let me tell you why. So I believe in what was called um, Christocentric redemptive historical preaching. All that okay. means is this. All of scripture testifies to him. So in John chapter 5, 39 through 40, Jesus is in a conversation with the Pharisees and he says, um, you search the scriptures daily, diligently, because you think in them, they give you eternal life, but the scriptures testify to me. Mm -hmm. So remember, there's, there's no New Testament at that point. He's talking about the right. old. And so Every jot and tittle leads right back to Christ. He's a better Adam. He's a better Esther. He's a better Noah. He's a better everything. And so right now we're going through a series called Flourish. And we're teaching our people how to flourish in various circumstances of life. Last week we did Flourish through Finances. We opened it with Flourish through Uncertainty. And so our people have been very, very responsive to, to it. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, no matter what I preach on, no matter what the text is, you're going to learn about who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what Jesus wants to do through you, and how much he loves you. I love it. I also heard a practicality piece there, too, of like teaching the people, teaching your people how to have a responsibility and own their own faith. Yes. Yes, 100%. Because so, so I'm a firm believer that the scandal of the gospel of grace is that it frees people from people and bonds them to Christ. Mm. So when I preach a message and people are like, well, well, what do I do? Like, what steps do I take? I'm like, mm, obey. <laughs> like the adventure is in the obeying. And so a lot of times, um, and this is just my personal philosophy of preaching, a lot of times when you preach formulas and tips, people are more reliant on themselves to do the formulas and tips. Yeah. Whereas <clears throat> when you are teaching people to see what Christ has done, enter into that story by faith and through the Holy Spirit's power, live that out. Right. Yeah. And so like last week, flourishing through finances, I talked to our congregation about 10, 10, 80, that if mm -hmm. you give the Lord the first 10, the next 10 is a savings live off of 80. I said, but I'm going to I'm not going to talk to you about the 90. I'm going to talk to you about the 10, because if I can convince you of the 10 and God's grace, that 10 will turn to 12. That other 10 will turn to 12 and the living expenses will go down because grace will begin to shape your life to consume less and give more, not because you want to get more, but because you already have the most in Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, there's a difference, right? Like you said, of going, I can teach you three steps to something. And when you walk out of here, all you're going to remember are these three steps or which it sounds like you're doing. And I would say is the better way to do it all throughout all of your messages and everything, it's discipleship, it's ownership, yes. it's teaching them, how do, how do you hear from God? When, yes. when you listen to this message or sing this worship song or read this book or whatever, what is God saying to you through it? And yes. then learn how to follow that direction. Yes. Like I, my job as the under shepherd is to lead people to hear the great shepherd's voice. Yeah. Um, 
I don't believe God calls a pastor to tell people what to do. I believe God calls a pastor to teach people what Christ has done and for them to participate in what he's done on their behalf. Yeah. Well, and you guys have a big discipleship um, program too at Transformation, don't you? you? Yeah. We, so, so basically when we were planning Transformation Church and my wife, Vicki's the co-founder, she leads our spiritual formation and staff health. And so before we plan it, we looked at what were the things that Jesus's disciples did? A disciple is an apprentice and a student. Well, the students of Jesus did five things. Number one, all of life was worship. Mm-hmm. Number two, they connected in small groups to learn from Christ, to pray. Number three, they served. Number four, they gave. And number five, they lived an inviting life, inviting people into the gospel. So for us, those are the five characteristics of a disciple of Christ that we want to help people go through. So all of life of worship is not only the weekend, but when you go to work or school, connect in a small group, serve in a ministry, give generously. Wow, that rhymes, serve in a ministry, give generously, (laughs) and then invite people into the story of God by sharing your faith and inviting people to church. And one of, one of the things that I encourage pastors with is this. Have you and your core leaders prayed that when the congregation invites people to church, is that something they look forward to? Are they going to be ashamed? You're going to go on a political rant? Yeah. So, so, so it, it's like we have to move from being used car salesmen to orphans who've been adopted, and we're inviting other orphans to meet our father, come sit at our table of grace, and see how good he is. Yeah, and that that really should be applied to every area. I mean, even back to like excellence and preparation, right? If we yes. want people to feel comfortable inviting people in, it's not just the environment, but it's the people who are here. Again, back mm-hmm. to don't be mean, right? Like we have to set the stage for we talk a lot about, you know, we're not inviting people to mosaic so that they can meet God. We believe that God was with them in the parking lot, just the same as he's going to be with them in service. But we want to create an environment where people can see him or people can hear him. Mm-hmm. So as he continues to speak to them, it's a place where they feel comfortable and safe enough to let down whatever walls they built up, mm-hmm. you know, whatever preconceived notions they have about God or Christians or religion so that they can just see and hear him more clearly. And if people are actually experiencing that in our churches, they're going to be excited about bringing other people in because they, they know what's going to happen. Yes. And, um, I'm of the strong belief that people are hungry for Jesus. They're not hungry for, uh, Republican Democrat Christ. They're not, they're not hungry for weird conspiracy theories. They're not hungry for a Jesus that says, clean yourself up, then come to me. Yeah, absolutely. They are hungry to meet the Jesus who looked over Jerusalem and had compassion in his heart because there were sheep without a shepherd. People are more lonely. People are more despondent. There's more despair than ever Mm -hmm. because we have so much and we're still not happy. And we're not going to be happy because we're trying to find our happiness in created things 
instead of in a covenantal love relationship with the uncreated creator in Christ Jesus. And we have the privilege as God's people to invite people into a story of grace, the story they were created for. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, and if people think that they're looking for, right, a politicized Jesus or this, that, or the other, I mean, listen, they can find it. It's, it's out there. Yeah. And that's why people, I think, are in despair and they're all despondent because they're grasping onto things that they think are going to make them feel better or communities that they think will, you know, give them a sense of belonging and they get there and they're like, wow, why do I feel worse about myself and the world? Well, and after being and, in these spaces, and then they take that out on other people. Yeah. You know, what, one of the, one of, one of the things that I found helpful with our church is I'll often say this is I'll say, now, listen, Christianity, as we know it, it's been around for 2000 years, the Republican democratic party in the United States of America in their current form have been around about 60 years. Mm-hmm. So are you telling me for 1,940 years, people were not saved because they're not Republican or Democrat. (laughs) 99.999% of all followers of Jesus have never been Republican or Democrat or have never heard of Republican or Democrat. The overwhelming majority of Christians in the world are not Republican or Democrat. In Norway, my Christian friends think we're crazy. They have 11 different political parties and none of them are Republican or Democrat. (laughs) So the idea of saying you can't be saved because you don't vote a certain way is adding a work to the work of King Jesus. That's idolatrous. Yeah. And it's divisive. For sure. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my political riff. Now, is politics important? Yes. Go and vote. But the people who vote opposite of you are not your enemy. Right. People who vote for Trump, that doesn't mean they're racist. People who vote for uh, uh, Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton or, or President Obama, it doesn't mean that they're whatever. People are people. Get to know them individually, but do not let what man has created divide what Jesus bled to unite for. Yeah. Well, I mean, we vote for where we feel Holy Spirit leading us into the work of like who is going to, who is actually reflecting God, who is reflecting Christ. And we put our vote to what we think we'll we'll see that through. Yeah. And do the very best that you can. But ultimately, what I want to call pastors to and what I want to call Christians to is, okay, so for example, uh, at our church, we have what's called a hope dealers market where we feed about 400 people per month. Mm-hmm. What if all 400,000 churches in America had free grocery stores like we have? Yeah, right. Hunger problem would, would be gone. Yeah. What if we had free um, um, dental and medical? Because not everybody has insurance. And in rural areas, hospitals and nurses and doctors are going away. What if yeah. the church provided a lot of yeah. things? What if the church pro- provided English as a second language? tutoring. There's so much that the church can do. And those are things that we've done. And we've seen thousands of people come to faith as a result. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. There's a lot more that's that's important than <laughs> politics, right? It is. It's how is the church living out what's going on? We feed a lot of the kids in our local schools around yeah. here. Um, and we've done a lot of work recently too with the, um, oh, 
I want to say homeless community. I know there's a better word for it and it's not coming to mind right now, but, but yeah, we help provide yeah. tents and food and supplies and, and that's really what Jesus called us to, right. Is to focus on these kinds of things. This is active love. Yeah. This is and, living and, out and the gospel. And, and it's, not only do we give people physical bread to eat, but we give them the bread of life spiritually to eat too. It yeah. goes hand in hand. It's kind of hard to hear the gospel above the grumblings of a hungry stomach, but right. then it's spiritual anathema if you give pe people food without giving them Jesus. But just, and just like the, you know, humor we talked about opening conversations. It's the same thing. I think people are more willing to listen when, like you said, they're either not hungry or there's relationship. It's being lived out instead of just like, let me just quote you this scripture. It's, hey, here's actually what this looks like in a real actual life. And we see you and value you as a person because that's what Jesus says. And that's, he values you that way. Amen. All right. So friends, I could, I could talk to you. All, all afternoon. But one last question for you, because the podcast is called Becoming Church. What is one thing that listeners can do, whether you want to call it evangelism or something mm -hmm. else? What's one thing that they can do right now to become the church in their own communities or their yeah. own lives? This is what I would like for the listener to do. Every morning you wake up, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for the grace you've given me. Today, may I give it to those who are yet to discover you as Lord and Savior. And watch how many people who don't know Christ begin to flood your life. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. We will link up all of your books and your website and everything else in the show notes so people can just scroll down and check it out, including your socials for those dances. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> thank you. And keep up the great work. You're crushing it killing it and let me know when you're ready to publish that book <laughs> i will i will as a reminder this podcast is a ministry of mosaic church and we would love for you to be part of our community either in person here in charlotte or online if you're not local that being said, I do believe even more that there is a church for you out there. So whether it's Mosaic, Transformation with Pastor Derwin, or you're on the other side of the country, if there's anything we can do to help you connect with a local church community in your area, please reach out using the links in the show notes below. We also have plenty of resources for you on our website. Until next time, keep becoming church to the people around you.